welcome to another episode of The Life of David and Me. My name is Jonathan Chan. I'm so glad that you can join me today as we continue the series on, yes, The Life of David in 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, and a little bit of 1 Kings. Now, but before we continue, customarily, we show you a video clip to kick us off. So I will do that, sit back, relax, enjoy the clip, and we'll be right back. Ah, uh, hey, Donna, can you show me how to fill out a subpoena? Absolutely. And after that, do you want me to show you how to wipe your ass? It's funny because you should already know how to do both those things. Ah, uh, yeah, that's hilarious. What's that? That's my suit guy. Go in, tell him I sent you, and spend some money. What does it matter how much money I spent on suits? These people respond to how we're dressed, so like it or not, this is what you have to do. That's weird. You giving me advice? Sounds like you actually care about me. I don't. You're a reflection of me, and I absolutely care about me. So get your skinny tie out of my face and get to work. What does it mean to be anointed in a Christian sense? When God anoints you, it means you and I have a job to do. A specific job within the context he has placed you and I in. Note what I said. He gives us a job to do within our context. Example, within our church, within our current job, within our families, within our relationships, within our neighborhoods and communities, wherever we find ourselves in, we have a job to from God within those. Eugene Peterson, in his book, Leap Over a Wall, says this about anointing. In our biblical text, being anointed means being given a job by God. It means employment. We're told, in effect, that there's a job to be done and that we're assigned to do it and that we can do it. Anointing connects our work with God's work. Anointing is the sacramental connection linking God's work with our work. God is a worker, a maker. God does things. He is, of course, but also acts. And it's in his acts that we know who he is. When we're anointed, God's work is connected to our work, our context. God's presence, his actions, and his purpose permeate through what we're doing, whether it be at work, when we're volunteering, or even when we're playing, in worship and among our communion neighbors, when we're having conversations. God is at work. Today, the author of this passage that we will be reading is concluding a story of Saul's failure to fulfill his anointing. The result of Saul's failure was not only losing his job as king, but also God's anointment upon him. And therefore, what we read in these next passages is a Saul full of regret, depression, and a tormented soul. Today, we will review what was God's anointment on Saul, i.e., what was God's work that Saul was to connect with his king work, how Saul lost his anointment, how he responded, and what we can learn from this to apply to our daily work. We will first need to blast back to chapter 12 with Samuel reminding the Israelites and Saul of God's covenant with them, i.e., God's promise with them. It is here that we see what God's anointment on Saul was. 1 Samuel chapter 12, verse 13. All right, 
Here is the king you have chosen, Samuel says. You asked for him, and the Lord has granted you request. Now, if you fear and worship the Lord and listen to his voice, and if you do not rebel against the Lord's commands, then both you and your king will show that you recognize the Lord as your God. But if you rebel against the Lord's commands and refuse to listen to him, then his hand will be as heavy upon you as it was upon your ancestors. But be sure to fear the Lord and faithfully serve him. Think of all the wonderful things he has done for you. But if you continue to sin, you and your king will be swept away. Saul, in his kingship, was anointed, as in to connect his kingly duties with God's work. Saul's job was to be a king, but he was also anointed, meaning that he's supposed to connect God's work with his kingly duties. What was this? to ensure that God's special special possession, i.e. Israel, will continue to fear the Lord, worship the Lord, listen to his voice, and faithfully serve him. Saul, in the context of his job, being a king, within his role as a king, was to ensure and lead Israel to do those things listed above, i.e. basically to serve and worship God. Unfortunately, as we read, He did not. Instead of leading people to please God, he was more concerned about pleasing the people. Instead of obeying God, Saul obeyed his own inferiority complex and continued to try to please the people around him. Instead of worshiping God and leading the people to worship God, Saul built a monument to honor himself and led the people to worship him. Instead of giving God first and foremost priority, he used God and used worship to justify his own actions, i.e. a lucky charm or something kind of superstitious, i.e. like, I worship God, so God, bless my work, make it successful. Using God as an accessory to ensure his success in battles, as opposed to giving the battle to God, Saul failed in his anointed task. And because he failed, Israel failed as well. And what did God say? Well, it's more implied than explicit in verse 21 in chapter 12. It goes like this. Don't go back to worshiping worthless idols that cannot help or rescue you. They are totally useless. The Lord will not abandon his people because that would dishonor his great name. For it has pleased the Lord to make you his very own people. And so it's implied here. If Israel obeys and trusts the Lord, the Lord will not abandon his people because that would dishonor his promise. However, if Israel abandons the Lord, the Lord will abandon them and abandon their king. And hence, the writer begins this concluding passage with this in chapter 16, verse 13. So as David stood there among his brothers, Samuel took the flask of olive oil he had brought and anointed David with the oil. Now David has an anointing. And the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. Then Samuel returned to Ramah. Now the spirit of the Lord had left Saul and the Lord sent a tormenting spirit that filled him with depression and fear. Neglecting his anointment, the spirit of the Lord left Saul and the Lord sent a tormenting spirit that filled him with depression and fear. Let's dwell on this for a moment as there are two points I would like to make here with Saul and his neglect on his anointment and God leaving him and God Uh, giving him a tormenting spirit. 
When God anointed Saul, his spirit came upon him powerfully to enable him to lead Israel and ensure that Israel will obey, fear, worship, and serve the Lord. But unfortunately, time and time again, Saul did not submit to God's spirit, nor did he care to connect God's anointment with his work. So the spirit left Saul. Now, this shouldn't come as a surprise, right? We just read in chapter 12 that when Israel and the king abandons God, God will abandon them. Well, what do we see here in this passage? Well, Saul abandoned the Lord. And so what happened? The Lord abandoned him. The spirit of the Lord left him. So the first point that we see is that the reason why the spirit of the Lord left Saul was because Saul and Israel abandoned God. So Saul no longer had his anointment and Israel was left without someone to lead them into godliness. Was Saul a, was Saul a failure as a king though? Did he fail in his job? No, he was a successful king. Even during the time when God left him, he was still a successful king. He won many battles and Israel was a powerhouse when it came to political and geographical power. He won many battles and people loved him for it. People adored him for being a powerhouse. The only thing that he failed to do that was so important was that he failed to give God worship and submission to fulfill his God-given anointment. And so where, Paul, where Saul succeeded, he also failed as well. He failed to give God worship and submission. What about the tormenting spirit that filled Saul with depression and fear? This is our second point. There's been no consensus as to what this means among the scholars. I used the commentary by Phil Long, and in his commentary says the meaning of the Hebrew adjective includes, quote, not only that which is evil or wicked, but also that which is harmful, injurious, or calamitous. So let me offer my take on the second point I would like to make about this tormenting spirit. If you recall, Saul believed in the inferiority complex. He had what today would be called something like an inferiority complex, actually very similar to it. Last time we were together, Saul's conviction that he was inferior ran so deep into him that no matter how many times God demonstrated his power on him, to assure him that God's with him, that no matter how many times God told him that Saul was his special possession, no matter how many times God says that Saul's not as weak or irrelevant as he thinks because God has anointed him, Saul didn't believe God or trusted in him. And ironically, it was by believing and trusting in God that Saul would have snapped out of his inferiority complex. It was by allowing God's anointing to work through him, through his work, through himself, and through everything that Saul did, that Saul would have got out of his inferiority complex. But instead of trusting and believing in God, Saul lost the anointing and God's spirit left him. God basically left Saul to fend for himself to face his inferiority complex because that's what Saul was doing throughout his life. Instead of trusting and obeying God, allowing God's spirit to conquer his inferiority complex, Saul would rather do it himself and just use God as a mere accessory. 
Saul, instead of trusting God, Saul trusted on his success. He used his success in his job as a king to compensate his inferiority complex. God says, well, if that's your choice, Saul, if you choose to abandon me, I'll abandon you and leave you alone to face your inferiority complex. And by the way, due to his inferiority complex, Saul was in depression and anxiety and in fear. By the way, those are common symptoms of individuals with an inferiority complex. Saul was completely dependent on his job's success. He was completely dependent on people's perceptions of him and his own political power. Now, how long can a person keep that up? It's hard. It's tough. It's tiring. And hence, we see Saul having a spirit of torment. He was in depression. And what was that fear? He was, a, he was fearing of failure. Let's continue. It's found in chapter 16, verse 15. Some of Saul's servants said to him, A tormenting spirit from God is troubling you. Let us find a good musician to play the harp whenever the tormenting spirit troubles you. He will play soothing music and you will soon be well again. All right, Saul said. Find me someone who plays well and bring him here. One of the servants said to Saul, One of Jesse's sons from Bethlehem is a talented harp player. Not only that, he is a brave warrior, a man of war, and has good judgment. He is also a fine-looking young man and the Lord is with him. We know that David has been anointed by God's Spirit earlier in this passage, right? When the author said that God's Spirit left Saul but came powerfully onto David. Is David a king yet? No, Saul is still king. David won't be king until 20 years later. Hence, what has God anointed David to do? Exactly what Saul was to do, to follow God and obey him, which the author knows in the last part of this passage, when one of Saul's servants mentioned, the Lord is with David, which we can infer from chapter 12. That means that David has been submissive and obedient to God throughout his life, including being a shepherd, being a soldier, and being a harp player, i.e. he was fulfilling God's anointing wherever he was, so hence the Lord was with David. David's job was to play the harp, while at the same time, David's anointing was to follow God within his job. What does this look like? What does it look like to play the harp, being a soldier, while connecting God's work in his harp playing? Because that's a question for us today, right? For all of us. What is God's work? And what does it look like to connect our work with God's work, i.e. to fulfill our anointing? Verse 19. So Saul sent messengers to Jesse to say, Send me your son David, the shepherd. Jesse responded by sending David to Saul, along with a young goat, a donkey loaded with bread, and a wineskin full of wine. So David went to Saul and began serving him. Saul loved David very much, and David became his armor bearer. Then Saul sent word to Jesse asking, Please let David remain in my service, for I am very pleased with him. And whenever, and whenever the tormenting spirit from God troubled Saul, David would play the harp. Then Saul would feel better, and the tormenting spirit would go away. Eugene Peterson says this about our work and how our work would look like when it's connected to God's work. It looks like this. 
Work is expressed as God's sovereignty. Work is to bring order out of chaos, guard and fight for the sanctity of things and people, deliver victims from injustice and misfortune and wretchedness, grant pardon to the condemned and damned, heal sickness by our work. It brings dignity and honor to people and land. All of our work is intended as an extension of and participation in that sovereignty. So how did David's heart playing, i.e. his job, his current job, connect with God's anointing? His heart playing provided healing for Saul. Healing for Saul by giving his mind rests from inundating his thoughts with inferiority lies and giving Saul the opportunity, if he chooses, to focus on God. David's heart playing also delivered Saul from being trapped in a spiraling thought process of his inferiority thoughts. But because Saul was so entrenched in his inferiority complex by now, the heart playing was only a temporary fix. Which is another interesting point to make for all of us. Like David, we can do our very best in connecting God's work with ours, i.e. to fulfill our anointing within our context. However, the results may not be what we hoped for. Chaos may still ensue. People may still remain sick, either mentally or physically or spiritually. Poverty may still run rampant. People's behavior may still be unchanged. David reminds us of an important principle. Our job is to continue to connect God's work with ours, i.e. fulfilling our anointing to live and work for the purpose of fulfilling his anointing on us. We are to leave the results to God. Here's an interesting quote from Eugene Peterson that I'd like to use to close our presentation today. Why do we always want to know early on in our acquaintance with someone what his or her work is? What do you do is virtually always among the repertoire of getting acquainted questions, right? The reason is this, occupation, career, job can do two things, usually at the same time. Work can reveal something essential about us, express our values, articulate our morale, act out our convictions of what it means to be a human being created in the image of God. Second, conversely, work can conceal our real identity. It can be used as a front to advertise something that we want people to see in us or believe about us, but that in fact, we've never bothered to become within ourselves. For most of us, the two vocational elements are mixed, revealing, expressing, and concealing and diverting. As we get to know someone, we want to know if that person's job is a role to hide in or behind, or if it's an honest expression of character. Are some of us like Saul? Using our work or our ministry or our service to hide who we truly are, to give people around us a false perception that we're godly and holy? Or are we using work or ministry or service to compensate a void or need that we have? To use the success of work to build our self-esteem and purpose in life? Saul did. Without looking at his spiritual responsibilities, we can conclude that he was a great king in the world's eyes. He was not only a great military leader, but also a great politician who knew how to work the crowd and get them on his side. 
Yet deep down, he was dependent on this and used God as an accessory to his success. To give an example, how many of us may have prayed this prayer? God grant me success. We're basically doing what Saul did, using God as an accessory. Now, why? Why did Saul do this? It was because he was hiding his inferiority complex, and he allowed his inferiority complex to get the best of him. And so, throughout his kingship, no matter how successful he was, he was very worried about his next success. He was very worried about his reputation, and that, and that led to a spirit of torment within, because he failed to connect his work with God's, i.e. he failed in his God-given anointment to submit his work to God and fully trust and obey him. What can we learn from this for us today? We too can fall into that temptation. We can be tempted to make our work as who we are and believe that we are nothing without our work. In other words, we live to work as opposed to work to live. This would lead to an immense stress, immense anxiety, and a continuous worry as to how people see us and if we are successful in our next venture. We would be worried about when we will meet our sales targets. We will be worried about when we will get promoted. We'll be worried about how people perceive us if work is who we are. Instead, we should equate our very being, our value, our worth with God's anointing first and foremost. We need to remind ourselves that we exist to serve and worship God and to please God, that our anointing is to connect our work with God's work. Our work, our play, our everything is to serve and worship God and please Him. How does that look like? Well, it could be creating order out of chaos in whatever capacity we find ourselves in, whatever context we find ourselves in. It could be providing healing, whether physically, mentally, or spiritually, in our communities, in our work, in our volunteering, whatever. But most importantly, I think one of the biggest evidence of how we know we are connecting God's work with our work is that we are not worried about the end results. God wants us to see our work as a service and worship to Him. He wants us to let Him take care of the results. And we will find rest and peace in His presence.